0: book of Ruth, we're going to spend this week and uh, next week uh, in this passage. And we're going to begin reading in verse 14. The story of Ruth is a story about redemption. My, The title of this thought, this series, will be a two-part series. is simply loyalty, love, and family. Loyalty, love, family. And family. There's a lot of things we learn from the book of Ruth and the story of Ruth. Obviously, loyalty, love, and family. But even more than that, there's redemption. There's grace. There's mercy. There's, there's suffering and how to get through suffering. There's recovery, how to get through tragedy. There's so many things that we could take from this story. And when we pick up the story here in verse 14, we read about a woman named Naomi had two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. They all lost their husbands. They all were widowed. And, Ruth, and Naomi was an Israelite. She was a Hebrew. And the Bible says because of the famine during the time of the judges, the book of Ruth is, uh, happens at a place in time in your Bible where, the Bible says everyone did what was right in their own sight. For there was no king in Israel. It was a time of chaos, really. Uh, It was a cycle of people sinning, then suffering, and then repenting, getting right with God, then sinning and suffering all over again. It was just a constant cycle through the judges. And this is where we find the story of Ruth. They leave their home country, the promised land, and they go to a land of Moab. And they meet their husbands, Naomi. Uh, Her sons meet their wives, Orpah and Ruth, and they, her sons, both die. Naomi's husband dies. It is a tragic story. And so we pick up this story with Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth all having a conversation, and Naomi concluding, you both need to go back home, go back home to your home country, you're still young, go home and get married my, I, I can't have any more kids. I'm going to go home, uh, a widow, and that's just going to be it. But you, you need to go. Both Orpah and Ruth uh, resisted. They said, no, we, we, we don't want to do that. We, we love you. We're going to stay with you. You're our mother-in-law. You got to understand, during this time, family meant so much. And it still means a lot, to, lot today, of course, but uh, not nearly as much as it meant In Bible times during this time your your family was everything it was uh, it was how you were going to not just leave a legacy but how you were going to survive if you didn't have a family you didn't have a husband or wife you you didn't you didn't have a network there was no one to take care of you there was no one to look after you to protect you and so uh, this was a very dangerous situation to such a degree by the way that in your Bible Uh, throughout, from Old Testament to New Testament, there's two groups of people that the people of God, us, the church, are required, everyone say required, we're required to look after. The first are the orphans, these are people that don't have mom or dad, they're little ones, they can't look after themselves, that's why child abuse and child neglect is such a heinous crime, not just in the sight of the world, but also in the church, Because for God, to hurt a child is one of the worst possible things you can do. You are hurting an orphan. That's why Jesus said, if anyone offends the little ones, you might as well have an anvil, the equivalent of an anvil, tied around your your neck or your legs and thrown into the sea. That's what Jesus said. Why? Because you will anger the wrath of God when when you attack the innocent life of a child. The Bible says that we are supposed to look after and take care of the orphan. That's why many uh, orphanages today across the world, they're not started by governments, and, and they're not started by uh, leaders of the, the nations. No, no, they're started by churches. As a matter of fact, uh, I know it's a little bit teaching this morning, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, so just hang on. Stay with me. Don't fall asleep. Praise God. In the, in the beginning of the church, It was the church itself, the early times when the uh, people would, they had abortion back then. They didn't have it like they do now. They would just take the baby and leave it on the side of the road when they didn't want the baby. It was the church that would go around Rome and all the major cities collecting the babies, taking them in. Why? Because they had a mandate to protect the orphan. Someone say amen. And that still exists today, by the way. We still have an obligation to those children that are without. All right, I'll save that for another time. But the other group of people that we have a mandate to take care of, first is the orphan, and the second is the widow. Over and over again in your Bible, from Old Testament to New, the Bible talks about the orphans and the widows to make sure that you look out for, protect, provide for the orphans and the widows. And in the New Testament, this is still a mandate. I don't know if you knew that or not but we are still to look after the widows and orphans today. And so when you see this story in the Bible, this is a story of major tragedy because you have three widowed People, women here, and without any hope of a future. And so Naomi says, "There's, I, I, I'm going to go back, try to find my family. Maybe some of my family can, will be willing to take care of me. If not, I'm, I'm going to be subjugated to a life that that no one would want to live." And so she tells Orpah and Ruth. Go back to your home. You're still young. You can get remarried. You can still have a life. Go back to your home and and, and carry on and try to uh, try to live life as normal. After resisting the button, then we get to verse 14. The Bible says, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Now, today, I want to just focus in on a simple question that that I have when I'm reading through this story. What did Ruth see... And what moved her that didn't move Orpah, her sister-in-law? What caused Ruth to say, uh, Orpah had already went home. They both loved Naomi, but it was Ruth that said, wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. Whatever you're a part of, that's what I'm going to be a part of. Your God's going to be my God. Your people, my people. I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving everything behind and I'm sticking with you. What, what was it and what do we learn when we read through this, this story and we read through this encounter? And the first thing I want to point out to you that I, I, we can't know for sure 100%, but this is, what I'm, this is what I'm thinking. The first thing I want to point out to you is that Ruth realized that living for Yahweh, living for God, the God of Naomi, even living for God in pain was better than living for the other gods in pleasure. In other words, this is the statement, even on her bad days of losing her husband and going through tragedy and suffering loss, even going through the worst days of her life, living for God would still be worth it. There was something, notice, it wasn't just her relationship with Naomi. She said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. In other words, I recognize there's something about Naomi and the God that she serves that it's willing to turn my back on the way that I was raised, the way I what I used to be, what I used to be a part of, and follow after this new God. She said, I am now, I am now placing myself in a position where my life will forever be changed i'm not going back to the way that it was i've made up my mind your god will now be my god your people will be my people wherever you go i'm going to go and this is a powerful statement of what of recognition that she knew it was never going to get better this is the point this is not faithfulness this is what we call loyalty what's the difference Faithfulness is a belief that something will get better, that it will turn around. When you are loyal to something, you have all the information that you need. It might never get better, but I'm still going to go. Oh, I, I wonder, are you hearing me today? In other words, she had no evidence, no promises. She had no guarantees that her life would change. Yet she still said, I'm following after Yahweh. The same God you are following, same God you're serving. I know I'm living in a tragic state. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I know I'm suffering right now. I'm in extreme pain right now, and and it might never get better, but even on this worst day, it's still better than my life was back there in Moab. I'm ready to follow you to the ends of the earth on my worst day. And isn't that just like God in Psalm 84? It says, for a day in your courts, a day in the house of the Lord. Everyone say one day. Just one day living for God, the Bible says, is better than a thousand, uh, better than a thousand. What does that mean? Elsewhere, anywhere else. In other words, I would rather suffer in the house of God than live in pleasure in the world. See, this is something that's missing in our generation. We need to realize how blessed we are as a people that we can live every single day in the favor of God. You go to sleep and you got peace in your mind and heart, or at least you should have peace in your mind and heart. You have an advocate with the Father. You have a God that you can approach with boldness. Everyone say boldness. That means that you have a confidence why because you are a child of god god friend we are a blessed church I said, we're a blessed church uh, because God's on our side. Uh, Every battle that we go through, every problem, every situation, every conflict, we have an advocate with God. We have a name that's above every other name. And at the name of Jesus, uh, every knee shall bow. You got to understand, he is over all things. He's over all things. And guess what? We're in covenant with him. What are you preaching about? I'm talking about our relationship with God puts us in a different uh, stratosphere. It puts us at a different level. We're not like everybody else. Even on my bad days, it's much better than it used to be. Even in tragedy and suffering, I still have hope. This is what Ruth said. She said, I'm not going back to Moab. There's nothing for me back there. It's like the disciples told Jesus, where are we going to go? Jesus is teaching and all the disciples. He had thousands of disciples. Many people don't realize that. When Jesus was walking the earth, you realize he didn't just have 12 disciples. No, no, no. He had thousands of disciples. Did you know that? Thousands of people were following Jesus. That's why he fed the 5,000 on two different occasions. He had thousands of followers. People were coming from all over the place just trying to know this Jesus But as he began to teach the hard things of the law and the hard things of the gospel. By the way, not everything's easy. The gospel isn't easy. No, the Bible says to take up your cross. That's not easy. In other words, there's going to have sacrifice. There will be sacrifices in our life. We can't expect to go through life and, and just act like we don't ever have to give anything up. What is that? What kind of Christianity is that? Someone called that cheap grace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, that sounds sounds like cheap grace. That's not the kind of grace that's taught in the Bible. Another preacher said, "If, if Christ bore his cross and carried it to Calvary, what makes us think our path will be any different? No, no, we have a cross to bear. And it's not always easy to carry that cross. No, it's not always easy to live for God. It's not always easy to do that. And so as Jesus is preaching the gospel, he's, he's teaching uh, the word as it were, people begin to walk away. People begin to, to, to duck out and say, you know what, I don't think this is for me. I'm just going to kind of disappear into the background. It talks about the rich young ruler. The Bible says he went away sorrowful because he wasn't willing to sell everything that he had. Jesus wasn't interested in the rich young ruler's money. No, no. It was about his heart. It was about the fact that his heart was attached to his money. And you can replace money with things, with the world, with with what we have accomplished, with our, our identity. So many of us, our identity is wrapped up in who we are. Sure it is. It's on our Facebook profiles. It's all about us. It's all about what we've accomplished, what we've done, telling our story. Sure, it is. It's our, it's our identity. And so, for the rich young ruler, he couldn't let that go. He said, Wait a minute, I, what do you mean give up everything I have? I followed the law since I was a kid, I've done everything I was supposed to do. Jesus looked at him and said, Sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And the Bible says, He walked away sorrowful because what he had, he had many things, he had much. In other words, he wasn't willing to make the sacrifice that it took to carry the cross. He wanted everything that he had accomplished in life and everything that Jesus had to offer. But can I tell you, in order to follow Jesus, you're going to have to make a choice to let go of the world and follow after him. Mark tells us first, you must deny yourself. What does that mean? It means deny your desires. Deny what you want for your life. Deny what makes you happy. There's a terrible disease, this this do-what-makes-you-happy disease. (laughs) If it feels good to you, that that must be the the will of God. No, 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 That's, that's terrible advice. Terrible advice. No, because you're, you're a sinful person. We're sinful people. We, we struggle with sin. And so as Jesus is teaching, he's saying, hey, you got to take up your cross and follow after me if you want to go where I'm going. The Bible says many disciples began to leave. He turns to his disciples and says, are you going to leave also? He turns to the 12. Uh, when it gets tough, now are you going to leave? When they began rounding us up and nailing me to the cross and chasing you down, are you going to still stick with me? His disciples turn to him and say, Master, where are we going to go? You, you have the words of eternal life. What else are we going to do? You have the words of hope. Where else are we going to, yeah, we know we're going to go through a mess. You've taught us. You've told us about this. Uh, They're going to be persecuting us. They don't really understand what that means, but it's going to get tough. We recognize that. But God, what am I supposed to do? Go back to Moab. What am I supposed to do? Go back to, what am I supposed to do? This is where I'm supposed to be. And for some of us right now, you've been going through a hard time. But can I tell you, one day in the courts uh, of God, one day in the presence of God is better than any a thousand, the Bible says elsewhere. Another passage says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord uh, than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. What does that mean? In other words, I would rather usher people in to God's house. That's not even inside of the house. Oh my 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 Brother Francisco I would rather be a servant in the kingdom of God to live as a king in the world Friend, on my worst day, I said on my worst day when all hell is closing in and anxiety and depression is settling in my mind, on my worst day living for God, it's better than the best day living in the world. Why? Because you have hope in Christ. You are complete in Christ. In other words, there is a way out. Hear me. When you're in the world and you're having a good day, Mark it down, that's not gonna last. The Bible says sin is a pleasure for a season. Seasons come, seasons go. It gets cold, then it gets warm, but it's gonna get cold again. Seasons come, seasons go. Don't, don't just give up for a, a pleasure of a season. And one day that season's gonna turn, and guess what? You're gonna be far from God. You're gonna be in a dark place. And, friend, in that moment, there's not gonna be any way out. You're not gonna have any hope out. Because the only way out of those dark places is the light. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way out. There's only one way out of your mess. There's only one way out of that pit of despair. There's only one way out of addiction. I said that. There's only one way out of addiction. Friend, you can take all the medication you want, but there's only one way out. His name is Jesus. You can mask, hear me, you can mask all the symptoms you want to mask. Hear me. You can counsel with whoever you want to counsel, but the only way to true life the only way to have true peace in your home, the only way to have true joy, that sustainable joy, That's joy unspeakable and full of glory. The only way to have that is the way of Jesus Christ. It's having a relationship with Jesus. And when you have that relationship with Jesus, it's a well. Hear me. It's a well that will never run dry. You can go back every morning, afternoon and night and say, Jesus I need more joy today. I'm a little bit down. I'm a little bit frustrated. I need you to step in and he will be there every time the world might have a good thing for a season but just remember it's seasonal it's not going to last you're going to get laid off at the end you're going to get booted out it's not going to last but with God it says Jesus told the woman at the well there's no bottom to this well if you drink from the water that I give you, you're never going to thirst again. In other words, hear what he's saying. doesn't mean you're never going to go through problems. doesn't mean you're never going to go through situations. doesn't mean that you're never going to have struggle. But it means you're never going to thirst again. In other words, you can keep coming back to this well. See, in the world, the well will eventually run dry. Eventually, the water might stop flowing. You can cut off wells. Did you know that? You can cut off the water supply. They do it all the time. and Well, even right now, we're seeing it happen. They're trying to do it in Ukraine. Russians are trying to bomb water supplies, gas pipelines, trying to stop electricity, trying to stop water. Why? They're trying to starve them out. They've done that for centuries. A war, it's always been a strategy of the enemy or for an for enemy force when trying to defeat, to, to starve them out, to lay siege on a, on a city, stop the water supply, stop the, the, the trades coming in, starve them out. Eventually, they'll have to come out and fight or they'll all die by starvation or suicide or something like that. And that's the same thing the enemy will do when you're living in the world. That, that well will eventually run dry. And the question will be, when it stops running... Where are you going to be? Because you put all your hope and trust in the well of the world. You put all your confidence in your ability. Well, you know, I'm just going to keep working hard and doing what I, doing what I have to do. And I'll, I'll do what I've always done. I'll work my way out of it. What happens when you can't work anymore? What happens when that disease eats away at your body to such a degree you can't go to work anymore? What you used to do with your hands, you can't do. What are you going to do then? Where are you going to turn then? Going to turn to the government? Friend, when that well runs dry, we have an advocate. There is a well that you can go to that will never run dry, and you will never thirst again. When your hope is in Christ, you have everlasting peace, everlasting joy, and life abundantly. What am I preaching to you? I'm telling you today, that your worst day with God. The worst day with God is better than a thousand elsewhere. Better than a thousand days living in the world. I would rather be with God. I'll walk through every fire. Oh, I'm reminded of the three Hebrew boys. The three Hebrew boys, the Bible says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That wasn't their their real names. but They were being persecuted by the Persian king. Why? Because they refused to bow to the idol. The Bible says the king got enraged. He got enraged. He said, I want that fire 70 times hotter. You remember the story of the book of Daniel. He said, I want that fire 70 times hotter. They looked back at, at the king. They said, Lord, we believe that our God is able to deliver us. We believe that he can do it, Brother David. We know God can bring us out. You ever been in a situation where you said, God, now, I know you can bring us out of this. God, I know all you got to do is just uh, snap your fingers and everything's going to be all right. But then they said something, Brother Ben, that it just blows my mind every single time. We know that the God that we serve is able to deliver us. But then they said, but if not, even if he doesn't, oh, friend, that is loyalty. Even if it means that I got to go into this fire, I'm still not going to bow. I know my God has the power to deliver. I know he has the power to save me. I know he has the power to change the situation. But even if he doesn't change the situation, I'm still going to serve him. My loyalty lies with him. Do whatever you got to do to me, but I'm not changing what I believe. I'm not changing where I'm going. I'm going to trust. In God. Why? Because on my worst day with God, Hallelujah. it's better than a thousand elsewhere. And what happens to the three Hebrew boys? The Bible says they end up going into the fire. This isn't in my notes. Sorry, I'm off right now, but you guys will follow. They end up going into the fire. Sometimes, Brother Jesse, we got to go into the fire. I think Life Church, we've been through the fire. I think we're in the fire sometimes on a daily basis. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it's always a fire. Sometimes you feel like your house, your your home, your your family, your marriage is going through. It's like you're always in the fire. And it might be true, but guess what? Three went into the fire. But the Bible says that the king looked in through the smoke and the flames. uh, And he said, How many young kids, how many boys we put in the fire? They said, We put three. He said, Why do I see fire? four of them in the fire there's four images in there there i see some shadows and the bible says they were walking around in the fire can i tell you even on your worst day god's gonna be with you even when you go through the fire you're not gonna be consumed you're not gonna be burned why because god is with us even on our worst day Oh, one day in the presence, uh, in the courts of God is better than a thousand anywhere else. You're going to go through the fire. I'm I'm, I'm not prophesying. I'm just telling you reality. There will come a day where the fire is going to hit your home. There's going to come a day where you're going to have to take a step of faith and say, God, I need you to come with me now. Uh, You said in your word, you said you would never leave us. Nor forsake us. I'm stepping out on faith. I'm taking this job. I'm I'm leaving this job. I'm I'm doing this because you said I I I need you to be with me. God's trying to get us into a place where we trust Him, where we walk by faith. You know the bedrock of every relationship, every marriage uh, is trust. It's trust. It's trust in each other. And God's saying, "Do you trust me?" Well, come on then. Come into the fire. Come on, follow after me. And this is the decision that Ruth made. who said, "Where you go, I'm going to go. What you do, your people are going to be my people, your God, my God, and where you die. that's where I'm going to die. Oh, I pray that that spirit gets on life Church. God, wherever you want us to go. Whatever you want us to do, we make up our mind. It doesn't matter what we're going to go through in our families, in our finances in our relationships, at home, at work. But no matter what we're going through, we're going to trust God through it all. Through it all. Over every mountain, through every valley, I'm going to trust God through it all. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Would you just go ahead and lift your hands right now? Close your eyes. Lift your hands in this place. I can feel the presence of God moving here right now. There's a, there's that, there was a spirit of discouragement that had settled in on a number of you. I can feel it lifting into the atmosphere right now. And there's a spirit of faith for that spirit of heaviness right now. Come on, right where you're at. Lift your hands. I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Hey, Come on, pray in the Spirit right now. Hey, hey, hey. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Yeri atara mokore becheke yanara mahaya ekeya nara soto yerere Oh my god my god my god Yeri atabo shatarabata yeria arabo koraba baba hashtaraba God I'd rather be with you I trust you, I'd rather be on your side Even in the darkest moment uh, I'd rather be on your side Uh, Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah Jesus I'm almost done I believe the Lord's moving Musicians can come, We'll, we'll wrap it up right here But this is what I want you to know For Ruth There's so many things I learned in this book. We don't have enough time. For Ruth, it mattered who she attached herself to. It mattered. The Bible says that the people of Israel were living and still are. Living under a blessing. The Bible talks about this blessing being the promise to Abraham. Long time ago. God made a promise. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. When God makes a promise, He doesn't break His promises. A long time ago, He made a promise to a man named Abraham. And He said, Abraham, as at the time, Abram, you shall now be called Abraham. And the nations, the world, is going to be blessed because of you. And this is what He said. Everyone who blesses you, I'm going to bless. But everyone who curses you, I'm going to curse. See, for Ruth, it mattered who she attached herself to. And here's the crazy part, brother. She might not even realize what she was doing. She might not even have known who she was attaching herself to. She probably didn't even realize the, the history. Maybe she did. Maybe she did. But my, my, my guess is, you know, there's so many times we make decisions that we don't even realize that we're making. Things that we do, we don't even re- We just feel it. We just know this is right. We don't know why, but we just know it's right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can just feel it in your gut. You can feel it in your spirit. I'm supposed to go this way. I'm supposed to do this thing. Or I'm not supposed to do that thing. You know it in your spirit. And what was happening with Ruth is that she was aligning herself to the promise of God because Naomi was a child of Israel. She was a a Hebrew. And she was under the blessing of Abraham. That was the same promise. He said, those that bless you, I'm going to bless. Those that curse you, I'm going to curse. Can I tell you, it matters. It matters. And it mattered to her who she aligned herself with. And still for us today, as the people of God, I told this to the, the group last night, we gathered for prayer, just as you, for, for you to know, we gather every month for prayer, corporate prayer. I told this to the group last night, we are the heirs of that promise. Did you know that? We haven't replaced Israel. No, no, no. Israel still has promise, but you and I have been grafted in, as the Apostle Paul says. So in other words, we are partakers. We are heirs of that promise that God gave to Abraham. That's why we sing that song when we were kids. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had father. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just pray. Remember that song? Was that just me? Okay. You remember this song. Somebody, that goes way back on, does it? okay yeah father we are grafted into that when you receive the holy ghost speaking in other tongues and you get baptized in the name of jesus you are now a part of the family someone said earlier this place feels like a family it should feel like a family because it's the family of god if the church isn't a family then what are we an institution a corporation A social club? No, we're a family. It's a family of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ. We have been grafted into the branch. We are now sons and daughters of God. Can I tell you, it matters who you align yourself with. It matters who you connect yourself with. It matters that you stay a part of the people of God. Hear me, even in your darkest hours, even on your worst days, even when people in the family don't always treat you the best. And I know that happens. You want to know why it happens? Because there's drama in every family. You hear me? There's drama in every family. There's always gonna be someone that, that shoots their mouth off at Christmas time, you know. Someone that says something they shouldn't have said, gets angry. It happens. You know what family does? Family sticks together, family prays together, family loves each other, family forgives, family makes keeps no record of wrongs. That's in your Bible. Did you know that? I'm just doing some pastoring this morning. That's in your Bible. The Bible says love, 1 Corinthians 13, keeps no record of wrong. Some of you need to go back into your digital notepad in your mind and delete some things. Keep no record of wrong. Some of you got that record goes back a number of years. We need to go back and delete some things. You know what? Delete it forgiven i'm I'm not not hanging on to that anymore why because it's the it's the family of god even in our darkest hour it matters you connect to. don't don't let those things divide you from the family don't don't in the darkest moment don't let it separate you from the family of god You might have conflict with a brother or a sister, but let's get that right because this is the family of God. We need to stay together. And even in our darkest, hear me, the worst possible day, I would rather be here than anywhere out there. I would rather be in the house of the Lord. And notice what it says. One day. Everyone say one day. Just one day. In the presence of God, in the house of the Lord, is better than a thousand days anywhere else. Just to be in the presence of God one time, just to spend time with God one day, just to have relationship. You wonder why it says just one day? Because that's all it takes. It doesn't take a thousand days to have a relationship with God. It doesn't take a lifetime. No, no, no all it takes is one day. God can change your life in one day. One day, one moment, one altar call, one decision. You can change. God can change everything in your life in one moment. Some of you don't believe it. Well, I'm telling you one moment. It's not going to take year, It's not going to take years for God to change something. No, he can do it The Bible says he can restore the years that the caker worm has eaten, that the locusts have devoured. He can bring it all back to you. My God is in the business of restoring and he can do it in one day. That's why it's not a thousand. No, no, one day with God. One moment with God. One opportunity with God. All I need to do is have one encounter with God. You say, well, Pastor, what about discipleship and growth? Oh yeah, you'll grow in grace, you'll grow in knowledge, you'll grow. But all it takes is one day. It can turn everything around. I know we've been praying for prodigals. I'm never going to stop preaching and praying for prodigals. Talking to brother, some brothers today, you got kids that are not living right. Just takes one time. One moment. That prodigal son, for him to wake up, And that pig pen, the Bible says he came came to himself. It doesn't say that he he came to himself over the course of a week or a month or a year. No, no, no. One day, the Bible says, he came to himself. He said, what am I doing? Like something just clicked in his mind. It can happen that quickly. Why? Because one day with God changes everything. That's all you need. Right now, would you close your eyes right where you're at? Father in the name of Jesus I pray Lord that there will be a spirit oh a spirit of liberty that flows in this house right now God as we are getting ready to have a time of prayer in this altar God that people that need to be delivered would find deliverance from addiction from depression from anxiety from fear from fear from drugs, from alcohol, from hatred, from bitterness. Lord, that your restoration, restoring power would overwhelm us in this place. Church, would you stand right now if you need if you need that restoration power If you need a touch from the Lord, if you need the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking with other tongues, if you need God to step into your marriage, your finances, your future, maybe you have some serious questions about what you're supposed to be doing, where you're supposed to be going, one day with God can change it all. One moment with God can alter your entire trajectory. All you need to do is spend just one day with him, one moment in an altar. So at this time, if you need prayer, I'm going to invite you to this altar. I want you to come. I want you to pray. If you need the Holy Ghost, we have an altar team. They're going to come and pray with you right now. If you need a touch from the Lord, you need God to to strengthen you. Maybe you're going through a situation, a trial, whatever it is. I want you to come this morning. Why don't you bring your family? Why don't you bring your husband, your wife, your, your your kids? I don't know if they're with you. Why don't you bring them to the front right now? And let's all gather around the front. Would you come? And we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to pray. We're going to seek God. We're going to believe that God is going to do the miraculous. Come on, don't be shy. Would you come if you need prayer? Why don't you come to the front right now? God is going to do it. God's going to deliver. God's going to set free. God's going to strengthen the work of your hands. God's going to give you clear direction. God's going to speak life over your situation. God's going to speak life over your family. He's going to speak life over your finances. I I feel like God's getting ready to pour out a blessing uh, from heaven this morning on someone's finances. There is a financial situation, a dire situation, and God's getting ready to do it in your life today. Come on, don't let this moment pass you by don't let this opportunity pass by you get out and get after it this morning and say god i need you to step in i need you to speak to me i need you to touch my mind and touch my heart i need you to move in my family i need you to move in my marriage i need you to move on my children i need you to move on my finances oh yes oh yes Oh, yes. Come on. That's it. I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. Don't be shy. Uh, Reach out to the Lord. Uh, Let Him speak to you. Let Him move on you. There's some old prophecies that are beginning to stir up in this place. Uh, There's some old promises that God has never forgotten about. He's bringing them back to your mind and back to your remembrance right now. He's placing them in your spirit. Let uh, let them be planted in your mind, in your heart right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, no he Why don't you find someone to pray with If you're praying by yourself Why don't you reach over and pray with someone right now Reach over and pray with someone right now Let the Lord lead you Let the Lord lead you Lord we need you today We need you today Oh let your spirit overwhelm us Let your spirit strengthen us Oh God Praise Faith, faith, yes. in Jesus Jesus Hallelujah, not Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. be afraid